Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. This is a preview episode for Michigan's Week 2 matchup against UNLV. If you missed our ECU recap episode recorded on Saturday, be sure to check it out wherever you found this podcast. You can probably find the previous one. Be sure to check out all of our stories, including Week 1 recap, Week 2 preview, press conference content, more big picture analysis stuff over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. In this episode, you know, kind of similar to last week with the Pirates and probably similar to next week against Bowling Green, I think we're under the assumption that Michigan will will be able to win in in a few different ways. So instead of keys to victory and, you know, obviously key of staying healthy, we're kind of looking at what would make for a successful weekend for Michigan. You know, what what beyond winning and staying healthy would have us, Steve and myself, thinking, okay, Michigan definitely showed us something this week. So we'll start. First half of the episode will be uh, the offensive side. Second half will be defensive side. We'll throw in some some over-under predictions uh, here and there, and then we'll close with our score prediction for the game. So, Steve, on offense, I've been at all the press conferences this week. I am so sick of hearing about the the stacked box that Michigan, you know, the, the balanced offense, the, you know, and it's all true. I, it just seems like everyone is asking about the run, run game because ECU stacked the box. They went cover zero safeties were pretty close to the line of scrimmage the whole time. And they ended, Michigan ended up with, with its worst rushing performance since the 2021 season. This week, Michigan has Sharon Moore back. I think I have to think Michigan is also thinking, okay, let's let's keep getting Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards carries because they don't get tackled a lot in practice. I, I think they do get tackled in practice, but Mike Hart was kind of up front with us Monday. He said, you know, we know what they can do in games. I don't need to see them get hit and get dinged up in practice as much. So I think it's still very important in my head with Sharon Moore with a new ish looking offensive line. Uh, and then, you know, just knowing that Blake Corm Donovan Edwards didn't necessarily get a ton of carries last week to me, I, no matter what defense UNLV is enacting, I think it's still important for Michigan to come up with more, more victories in the run game. I think last week, I think 15 of their 31 carries didn't even pass three yards. Want to see more of that. Doesn't, doesn't have to be home run plays. Although I'm sure if you give the ball to, Blake and Donovan enough you'll get a few it's important to see growth it doesn't have I don't know what the magic number would be whether it's 200 yards 250 yards or even 150 but I think early on I think I want to see Michigan win in the run game a little bit more in in situations where it's obvious Michigan is running the ball I don't want to see them get stuffed three times in a row because I think I think it you know when the big 10 teams come along they're going to be bigger they're going to be stronger they're actually going to have more experience going up against this Michigan rushing attack. Thinking about a Rutgers that plays Michigan every year, thinking about Nebraska that has played Michigan the past couple of years, so on and so forth. So I, I think I do want to see Michigan build its run game and have some wins. You know, when it's head to head, UNLV knows they're running. Michigan's not making a secret about it. Can you still find a way? Because Michigan's run game should be that good. We talked before the season. 
best running back duo in the country, potentially slash probably the best offensive line in the country. I mean, this is a this is a group that should get it done. You know, the tight ends are part of that as well. I think the scheme, I think Sharon Moore's return to being the play caller. I think that's something that that for me, if Michigan looks effective in the run game, regardless of yards, regardless of the final stats, you know, to me, that would be a big victory. Steve, what would count as a, as a big win for you for Michigan's offense this weekend? Uh, I think improved blocking from, I think the tight ends kind of struggle a little bit. Yes. In that, in that aspect. So I think seeing them sort of rebound as a unit or, you know, a start to ascend, I guess, uh, would be beneficial. We know how much Michigan likes to put guys out there in those positions. They were really good out of jumbo when it came to the play action passing game. But yeah, I mean, some of the running fits they used, no, not really clicking consistently necessarily. Again, I, <clears throat> not as down about the, it, the one thing that was interesting about it. And, I, and like you said, it's been, it's been beaten to death, but like, you know, Michigan felt like they had the outside whenever they wanted it. Uh, but they kept trying to kind of hammer the inside a little bit. And, I, you know, again, I feel like that was by. It did seem that way for the most part. Right. I, I did. I don't. Yeah, it, it was just. I did Donovan Edwards specifically. His game was just very puzzling to me because it. Yep. It yep. felt like he was just running, 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 running. And then like there was like a wall. Right. Which might be the tight end blocking that you mentioned. Right. So. Yeah, it felt like they were they could get a lot more of what they wanted on the edge, but they just kept trying to kind of hammer it home inside. I thought one thing that was kind of funny and not necessarily surprising, there was all this talk about, you know, Blake Corum didn't look as quick, didn't look as fast, but I feel like there was some, one of those like athlete trackers or something where his, his top speed was like the same or as yeah, it was which, before, right? You know, we'll um, take that for what you will. I mean, it's sure. I mean, I want to count right. But my, I mean, I, I didn't think he looked that much different he looked the all. same as last year that's what i thought too like he got he chased made... down last year too but what what happens is that I mean, an angle yeah like, like, a huge say, angle. Like, <laughs> like these teams they know what blake corum can do and so yeah they'll often have the safety like he knows already oh that's get that he's going to the pylon like i'm gonna meet him there i'm not trying to meet him at the 20 i mean you saw him change his angle he was like okay no no we got to prevent the touchdown stop trying to limit the yardage because we're going to get beat i i don't know Th- this narrative that blake one like he lost missed a step like two, he was all yeah like he lost a step or something i like just didn't slow i mean look he's not he ran a 4.44 laser timed out of high school he's not that ever since he got to like what 210 pounds whatever you know he's become a different kind of back but he's got quick enough feet he didn't look slower to me now if he continues to get chased down, then, then yeah, ultimately, you know, you do have to think about that when you're putting together your running back game plan. But he had a carry for 37 yards and a carry for 21 yards, and ECU didn't give up much else. So right, right, true. But he made he made some guys miss. I mean, I think anything, if any, I think the rust for him is much more about making the right initial cut, not bouncing things to the outs. He did a couple of plays. I think he felt like he bounced things a little bit too quickly. You know, I think stuff like that is much more of the issue than like the speed, like, yeah, the straight line speed or whatever. I mean, I, you know, I, I just, and that's the other thing too. I kind of wondered about their game plan running the ball was, was, was it designed to maybe shake some of the rust off of Quorum specifically? 
And yeah, I agree with Edwards. It was odd. I mean, yeah, they had the, what the four carries that they really forced to him, but you also look at how effect, like he also did play his role as far as like being a, a, a de- either a decoy or an actual pass receiver when they did use him in, in other ways. Right. It felt like he was really effective in that regard. So, uh, but my overall thing is, I think, of course, you want to see better blocking every Saturday from every offensive line unit or up front or whatever. But I think the tight ends specifically, I'm interested to see how those guys come along. You know, I mean, I would say like Max Bredesen did not really have a spectacular game as far as the blocking stuff goes. I know, was it Loveland missed a block on a play that I believe Corum lost yardage on. So, you know, just again, the unit as a whole. Otherwise, besides that, just more of a curiosity thing. You know, they are kind of taking that Michigan method approach with their tackles on Saturday. I'll be interested to see, A, does Jones follow up what looked like a pretty strong performance in game one? And B, how does Miles Hinton rebound? Because he did not look like he had that great of a game. He admitted that he did not have that great of a game. Right? So how does he rebound? Because, again, just he looks like a, a guy out there, like just looks different uh, as far as offensive tackle goes. So, you know, how does he kind of rebound from an admittedly down performance to begin the year? Because, you know, I think he's a guy, I think Michigan wants to be able to put into the asset category uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think the thing with miles is, and he said it to us on Monday, he did not play like he practiced. And that's, that's the difference. If, if, Trent Jones is just better than him. That's one thing. But Michigan was really enamored with with what Miles Hinton brought in practice. And so I think the next step is just bringing it to the game. And that's that is probably the biggest benefit to Michigan's non-conference schedule. It's it's not very tough. But the one benefit is you do get to like kind of have your feet under you a little bit and you can say, OK, this was my first game at Michigan. You know, there's there's plenty of emotion. There's plenty of things on my mind and so now now week two you know if, if you're miles hinton you get to grow you get to show that you're actually a lot better than than your play necessarily indicated so yeah i'm curious about the michigan method and, and then one guy I, I imagine we'll see more of if they're still sticking to the previously stated plan is ladarius henderson uh did not see him a ton you know it seems like trent a. jones they like him as that sixth though lineman uh you know henderson does he mix in a tackle? Does he mix in a guard? You know, what does Michigan do to get him some snaps? Uh, because he's also someone they feel is a starter caliber, NFL draft caliber lineman. You know, what? one thing I'm curious about in the passing game, because I think we saw what we're going to see. You know, we saw, Steve, I think what you and I had previously said what we wanted to see from Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson. This week, I'm a little bit more intrigued on the rest of the passing game. Jim Harbaugh seemed to hint. Sometimes he does this. Sometimes he drops these nuggets and, and they end up making us look really smart because we pay attention. Uh, Sometimes they're they're not quite significant, but he seemed to indicate they wanted to get Colson Loveland the ball some more last week. So do they maybe make him the key a little bit more this week? Uh, You know, I think someone like Donovan Edwards, he did play five snaps at receiver either in the slide, I think he had one snap out wide, but five snaps, you know, do they start to implement him even more, which I think they did a nice job of it on Saturday, but can they, can they bring that out even more? 
And then if he returns, I mean, he warmed up last week. So my assumption when players warm up is that returning is at least on the radar. It's at least in the realm of possibility the following week. But Tyler Morris uh, talked about him last week, talked about in the spring. Just very fascinated because it really does sound from those inside the program that he can really, really have a breakout season this fall. So, yeah, he's those are kind of the three. I mean, they're, you know, Frederick Moore, how does he grow from week one to week two? Carmelo English felt like he appeared closer than further from, you know, being in that receiver rotation. Um, so, yeah, just kind of curious to see about that. Steve, with the passing game, we do have a couple over-unders. 239.5 passing yards for J.J. McCarthy. I'm inclined to take the over. Uh, I, you know, it does sound, we heard from Kirk Campbell this week, it does sound like they want to get more of the backup quarterbacks in this week. But 239.5, you know, I think, I think as Jim Harbaugh likes to say, they've got a lot of mouths to feed on offense. Everybody's got to eat. And so I think there is going to be some emphasis on a passing game. I think, you know, UNLV, I guess I guess we'll see. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing the over there. And then 119.5 receiving yards combined from Roman Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. I'm actually taking the under on that one. I, I think they're they're going to prioritize the tight ends. I think they're going to try to get Donovan Edwards a couple big plays. And then if Tyler Morris returns, I think he's someone that they're going to try to to showcase a little bit. Steve, your thoughts on those first two offensive over unders? I'm taking the under on both because I think okay. we do, I think I think Michigan finds more success running the football on Saturday. And yes, I think you want I think if you're Michigan, you want to see more of your backup quarterbacks. I think you'd like to see maybe the other two that didn't play last Saturday and Jack Tuttle and Alex Orgy especially get in. Uh, and then yeah, I agree as far as like spreading the ball around a little bit more. I, I think. You know, I definitely don't think Fred Moore's role is going to be decreasing anytime soon. Honestly, I, I think Michigan really happy with what they saw to him in week one. You mentioned Tyler Morris. Uh, yeah. And then the tight ends as well. So, yeah. And Donovan Edwards, right? I mean, yeah. Again, like you said about what Harbaugh mentioned, uh, having to feed a lot of guys. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, this would be a great opportunity to do that. So uh, I'll take the under on both of those. Okay, last offensive over under before we hit a break. 3.5 touchdowns before halftime. So Neil, who provides these numbers, by the way, we, we've been doing this for a few years, but for those who are new to listening to these preview podcasts, our, our good friend Neil, uh, who is over on the message boards as well via Azul, he gives us these over-unders. There'll be a full story with all 10 numbers, but we, we do a couple in the podcast as well. Uh, last year, I went 67 and 54. Steve, you went 57 and 64. So 10 point difference, I guess. But, uh, you know, last week he said four, 4.5 touchdowns in the first half. And I think you and I both easily sniffed out the under on that one, five touchdowns. Do they get four touchdowns in the first half this week? I'm kind of leaning a little more toward the over. I, I we, we don't really know. It's so hard to predict how teams how especially teams like ECU and UNLV when they have so many transfers they have so many incoming outgoing players uh UNLV 
you know, a lot of, a lot of new faces in the coaching staff as well. It's just really hard to predict, but I think on paper, ECU is expected to be a little bit better than UNLV this season. So I'm kind of leaning the over they've got Michigan's got Sharon Moore back. You mentioned probably Michigan's probably going to try to make a point to crack open that running playbook and, and maybe crack off some big runs. I think I'm going to take the under, but this is a, a tight one for me. 3.5 touchdowns in the first half. Steve, your thoughts? Well, I actually was going to take the over also, and I was thinking along the same lines as you were. It, it, again, he Neil's always been really good at these, so it's it's always he's got that right number because that's the perfect number, I feel like, for touchdowns in the first half if you're doing an over-under. So, yeah, just sort of going with instinct. There's really no other, right? There's no concrete route I can take to, to to explain why I'm going over, just that I think Michigan's a much better team. I think they just maybe score one more touchdown than they did last week in the first half. So right. Uh, so I'll take so I'll take the over. Yeah, we need we need tune up games as well before we can really lock into midseason form with our over unders. All right, we're gonna hit a quick break on the O side. We'll talk about what would make a successful weekend for Michigan's defense, as well as our final score predictions for the game. You're listening to the Wolverine twenty four seven podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So Steve, on defense, I think there's been less fan panic there should probably be a word for that fanic there's been less fanic about the defense just because i feel like they dominated both run and pass uh, i think one thing i am curious about this weekend just because unlv's quarterback doug brumfield he's got this in his repertoire he he's a deep ball passer he's six six two twenty five and he he will throw it downfield. He, I think they missed their three against Bryant last week, but you know, Steve Klingscale was talking about this. I mean, they're going to, they're going to isolate the cornerbacks a little bit more. They're going to try to take some deep shots. Uh, they have one player familiar name for Michigan fans on that note in Ricky white, one of their starting receivers, but, but even beyond him, this is just in their repertoire. This is part of their game. So I think the, the biggest thing, I'm looking to see, and we'll talk about the pass rush in a moment, but but I'm really looking to see how this defensive secondary holds up a little bit more. I think UNLV is going to, I mean, we'll see, right? But ECU is really trying to dink and dunk, right? They were trying to avoid the sacks. They were just trying to get five, eight yards here and there. Uh, this will be an interesting test for guys like Josh Wallace, Keyshawn Harris, Jair Hill, Jaden McBurrows. My, you guys know all the names by now. This will be an interesting test because I, I, my suspicion is that the Rebels are going to try a little bit more to get over the top of Michigan's defense. Different kind of scenario if it, if Will Johnson and, and Rod Moore are back, but 
But at the same time, I think that's going to come up a little bit and and we'll get a better picture, I think, of what this secondary looks like, because it was it was kind of hard to evaluate the cornerbacks last week. You know, when they were tested, it was like not for a lot of yards. So fascinated to see on that front. See, what's the biggest thing you're looking for from Michigan's defense this weekend? Is it, I, I just had to look real quick, by the way. You mentioned Ricky White. I'm sure some fans recognize that name right away. Uh, played at Michigan State. Had that big game against the Wolverines back in the day a couple years ago. I did not realize, like we were talking about this before we got on, he transferred from Michigan State after that season. His career output at Michigan State was 10 catches for 220 yards. Eight catches for 196 of those yards were in that one game. It's just incredible. <laughs> it's I the mean... most amazing. It's the most insane like thing ever that this dude, his entire career output was in one game and he's gone. I mean, it's almost like it's it's almost like they signed him for this that game and then just like then they like you know dropped him on the waiver wire. Like it's just like it's almost like they they put some like a star NFL receiver in his uniform yeah, and helmet, just, and then they gave they gave him. They knew they him. couldn't like, pull it off yeah, the next yeah. week. Yeah, like the little I mean, good for him. Guy. He, he's landed on his feet at UNLV. He had a nice season last year, but yeah, it is it is astonishing how wild it had I that think a game lot of, and then was never heard from again. I, I think a lot of Michigan fans would feel that's a very Michigan State way of winning a game. Is that one guy had his entire career output in that one game that they won? Um, comical, but defensively, uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think linebacker wise, want to see where you know we're talking about transfers. We talk about Miles Hinton struggled. How does he rebound? I think from Ernest Hausman, we saw him really excel. I want to see how he builds off of his first game. Some sacks would definitely be nice, right? I mean, Michigan did not complete a, get get to the quarterback all the way. Still did not feel like it was like as big of a detriment as some made it out to be just because, again, I mean, there were plenty of instances. Felt like a lot of missed holding calls. I mean, and when I say that, I'm not griping about the officiating at this point. Just more that, like, they actually were getting around the tackle. Uh, they just were impeded from completing their journey around them I don't you understand what I'm saying so you know interested to see well on that note you know you talk about a guy who had a great game last week you talk about TJ guy like does he play more you know so there are certain little areas or players who let's see how their snap count looks this week compared to last week you know um did Keon Sab do enough last week to let Michigan play it even more cautious with Rod Moore let's say right my instinct is that he did. So they will like, I there's, you know, so just, you know, with defense it, to me, it's much, yeah, it's much more about the guys, maybe a little bit further down the depth chart or, and do we, do we see some repeat performances? Like Kenneth Grant did things that didn't look normal last Saturday in a great way. You know, does he keep going with that? So, and do we hear from some other guys that maybe like, it does it, you know, Ray Sean Benny, Braden McGregor, you know, the corner situation, yeah, remains fascinating. Like, does Jair Hill play more? Because he looked like he belonged right away. Does Michigan throw him out there a lot earlier? Especially now we see that it sounds or feels like a Marion Walker is not necessarily that close to getting back. I'm speculating, obviously. Maybe we'll get an answer on that at some point. But, you know, he's not playing this week for sure. So does yeah, Michigan... Steve Klinkscale spoke with us today. I, I don't Sorry. have the full quote. 
up, but yeah, it, it it's sounding more and more like it might be. I mean, he can change the narrative, but it sounds right now a little bit more like it might be a next year breakout. Sure. Okay. Well, help. I do. Well, and, and I, they yep. have they have players at that position. Yep. And I do know right. their plan for him going into the year was that this part of the season was going to be very very important for him because he needed he needs reps he needs live reps more than maybe any player on the roster at least in terms of a guy that the staff feels like can be i mean even more than like like they really think he has like star potential at that position and but he needs live reps so this non-conference slate was going to be really important for him so if he's not going to be back to 100% you know i do not foresee michigan throwing him out to the wolves in the middle of the conference season to try to get his feet wet. You know what I mean? So that makes a lot of sense. That's where the opportunity arises for like a Jair Hill, who, like I said, definitely looked like he belonged uh, last Saturday, again, limited, but it's not about box score type deal. It's just about watching a guy run around on the field. I mean, he looked, he's, we already know he's super athletic, but he looked fluid. He made a few good reads on some plays, like just look like a guy who, Maybe we'll follow that path that that we mentioned mentioned for Walker. You know, as a guy that these next few games could be really big for him because if he passes a few tests in the locker room, you know, maybe we'll see him a lot more during conference season. So, you know, that'll be another one that's interesting. But but yeah, I mean, otherwise it really is. It's about some of those other guys uh, because the top of Michigan's depth chart just feels pretty solid throughout, and nothing that happened last Saturday I think diminished anybody's standing not that we would have expected it to but but again it's just really more about some of those depth pieces yeah and on that note one thing i am fascinated to see this week do some of the true freshmen get an even longer leash or do they kind of continue to play the role like i i guess to cut through it jire hill brandon hillman two players we keep hearing more and more about as you know they they might be ready to like really help michigan later on in the season well Similar to Amari Walker, you know, the if he it's about getting these live reps. It's about getting kind of your feet wet because it's it's a different ask to, you know, if you've played say 40, 50 snaps in non-conference play, it's a different ask to go out there at Nebraska because someone got hurt if you've been able to play in non-conference a little bit. So similar thoughts in terms of what would make for a successful weekend. You probably want to see a couple more of these guys pop, and then I think. There's always just that intrigue, especially when it's it's freshmen with athletic traits like Jair Hill, like Brandon Hillman. You know, if they get if their role continues to expand, that's a good sign that Michigan, one, they're they're not gonna burn they're not gonna care about the red shirt, but two, that these are players that could have the Will Johnson, Rod Moore type ascent, where both of those players by the end of their freshman year were well starting, but but also, you know, their their role increased throughout the season Zach, yeah. Zach oh, real sure. quick I tell you with Hillman specifically if 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 he plays but then they must really think they have something with him because there's not that you, you he's not in a position to be rushed necessarily you know what I mean no Hill maybe more of a necessity because they they're they are searching for like a third corner and his ceiling is is very high but man if Brandon Hillman starts to play a lot they then they really think they have something. So I'm with you as far as he might be another, yeah, another player specifically. Like if he plays again on Saturday, then yeah, I mean, that's, 
might be time to to crank up the hype level uh, with him a little bit. Yep. Yep. DJ Waller's the, the kind of the third guy in that secondary among the true freshmen that seem to be ascending. But yeah, Brandon Hillman, I asked Keon Sav about it last night, just that he's a freak. He's a freak. He'll, you'll see it sooner than later. <laughs> and so, and I think, uh, I think Steve Klinkskjeld said something similar today. So plenty of, plenty of athletic talent in that secondary, including from true freshmen up front. I do. I do think there's more nuance than just sacks when it comes to pass rush. But I said before the season, right? Interior, guys, you're looking for pressure. You're looking for Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant, Chris Jenkins, Rayshon Benny. You're looking for them to kind of move the pocket, dissolve the pocket, get the quarterback moving. Uh, the edge guys, though, you are looking for them to hit home. Pressures are are nice. They're, they're, they look good on a stat sheet. They look good on a NFL draft profile. Later on this season, I mean, you know, quarterbacks can escape pressure. They can make throws. They can take shots downfield. You know, you do want your edge guys to to get in the habit, I guess, of of hitting home. You know, continue to build the hand technique, continue to you'll be able to get by those offensive tackles. So I think that's something I, I do want to see. You know, that last week everyone similar to the run game, everyone's kind of talking, oh, they didn't have any sacks. And then other people are like, well, but they had 16 quarterback pressures according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, right? There was pressure. It was effective in in altering the game plan and, and you know, didn't really burn Michigan a ton. At the same time, when you're playing group of five teams, you do want to see growth from these edge guys. Because I think I wrote before the season, the, the four of them collectively had a lot of pressures last season. Not a lot of sacks. The four being Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart, and Jalen Harrell. So yeah, it to me that's similar to any position group. You know, if they if they can take that next step, if they can get a couple sacks, because I also do think UNLV. We'll we'll see, right? I'm sure if they have a surprise game plan, they're they're probably breaking it out this weekend. But their offensive coordinator Brennan Marion, uh, he's a passing guy he was pass game coordinator for texas and wide receivers coach at texas last year they've got a quarterback who can who can make those deep throws accuracy still a concern but he he's got an arm right and so i i kind of feel like they're going to air it out more uh than than ecu and so that's that's an opportunity for michigan what's the proverbial you know the phrase pin your ears back and and go I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's a hunch. Maybe I'm wrong, but just feel like this is a big opportunity for Michigan's edge guys in terms of getting that pass rush. All right, couple quick over unders. All right, Michigan's biggest play from scrimmage allowed in the first half is 24.5 yards. I like that the, the first half distinction because that means you know the blowout stuff, the garbage time doesn't count. I'm gonna take the under. I do think UNLV is gonna try. Uh, but I I do think the orchestra of the pass rush as well as the coverage, I think when teams beat Michigan's defense and passing game, they either one have like elite high level talent or it's like the tight end over the middle of the field. It's the it's the five yard outs here and there. I do think that's that's really the only way to to put a dent in Michigan's pass defense. And you know, UNLV maybe I'm sure they'll try a couple deep shots. I'm going to take the under on that one. Uh, another one for you, Steve. Michigan has 9.5 Havoc plays. So 
tackles for loss, turnovers forced, pass breakups in the game. I'm taking the over on that one. I do think UNLV is going to set Michigan up to create havoc, get in the backfield, uh, break up passes, force turnovers a little bit more than ECU did. Your thoughts on those two numbers? I'm taking the over on both. I think, again, the 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 play from the first half play, I just think it's sort of a I mean, it's less than a coin flip because Michigan probably well equipped to potentially keep that from happening, but just could be a fluke play. I'm just gonna just kind of say, eh, I think they may hit hit something at some point. Nothing like too big, but 24 and a half yards, I think they can get that at, at some point in the first half. And then over on the havoc play. So I agree. This is a great opportunity for both of Michigan's the the units that need testing the most at with edge and corner, right? So, you know, Michigan heavily favored. But, yeah, you want a team that's going to try to throw the ball downfield. It'll give those rushers a chance to get to the quarterback, and it'll give their corners an opportunity to track ball, see ball, play ball, you know, that that type of stuff, and, and you know, potentially make some plays themselves. So this Michigan doesn't need to prove to themselves or anybody that they can stop the run. You know, I think I think this is really, you know, a team that's going to try to throw the ball around the field is what it was the best opponent for Michigan at this point in the season. But but over to your to the questions. All right, last last number, forty nine point five yards for UNLV's leading rusher. We didn't talk a ton about the run defense because I think we suspect they'll run run less. Sorry, this week than than last week when they were playing Bryant. Uh, but they do have running backs who performed well last week, right? Vincent Davis, I think he was the number two or number three running back at Pitt. Uh, Jaden Thomas, I believe, true freshman. Uh, they both, they both showed big play potential. I just, I, I really do think Michigan. I don't know who, who is going to run for, run a, run the ball effectively against Michigan. I mean, the first team I can think of might be Minnesota. I guess we'll see. Right, that's a good way for me to look silly, but I just, I really do think this run defense is is ready to rock. I think, I don't think either running back gets to fifty yards. I mean, plus the fact is they they kind of split carries. A little bit last week they had they had 36 carries and I think seven players had between two and ten carries part of that is you're playing an FCS opponent but yeah I don't I don't think that I think the biggest concern if if this becomes like a closer than comfort game would probably be the deep passes I I just I don't quite see it in this run game so I'm taking the under on that so Steve over under on that and then your final score prediction for this game Feels like an easy under, so I'm going to go with the under on that. You explained the details pretty well. I think even without them splitting, I just I would probably still take the under. Final score, um, fifty six to seven, Michigan wins. That was a pretty normal score. You liked, I I, pur- I purposely went with the normal score this week just to see. Let's just see, you know, because <laughs> I was not. What did I say last week? Forty to. 12. 12 or something, you know, like my, my margin of victory was not, was one point off. I just picked weird numbers. So I'm going to pick some normal numbers here. Let's see if I can get a real score. Let's see if I can get actually get a score, right? You might, so, you might 50, 56, seven. I'm in a, in a similar boat, by the way, last week's leading rusher for ECU was their starting quarterback, Mason Garcia. He ran for 36 yards. So 
we shall see what UNLV brings to the table, but but Michigan's run defense, I think, passed the test. Not a lot of concern in my mind there. And I think I think half of ECU's rushing yards, which they of which they did not have many, came in the fourth quarter with Michigan's third string in. Yeah, they had a what 103 rushing yards. So as far as score prediction, I'm going slightly well, pretty similar, just slightly lower scoring. I'm going 49 to 6. I think ECU snuck in that field goal at the end. I think I think UNLV gets two field goals. So we'll see. This score these score predictions are are kind of not quite coin flips, but it's just it's so hard to sit here and predict what UNLV will look like when they have so much newness and they're they faced an FCS program last week. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. That's gonna do it for us here on the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Lots of written stories if you you didn't quite get your fill on Michigan football UNLV preview over the Michigan Insider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. We got lots of content. There's podcasts, there's videos, there's press conference write-ups, there's analytical preview stories. You should be able to find what you need over at the Michigan Insider.com. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you next time.